0: before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick.
1: Hello. Hello. <laughs> She's very excited. I won, I won, she I won. She did win. I won. She won columnist of the year.
0: Columnist of the year. It only took 40 years. 40 years I've been nominated
1: so many times and I won yesterday. We're very happy. We have got Liz in a very good mood today. I'm
0: on a natural high. She's... I couldn't have any champagne, but I'm on a natural high. Well, she was in
1: a very foul mood the day before, wasn't you? Yes, I said if I don't win, I'm retiring and I'm going to live on benefits. Yes, we didn't have it we didn't have a pleasant day the day before. So imagine my relief when the email came and she'd won. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> You see, they say it's all about the taking part, oh, not the winning, but it is the winning. No, and she actually had the audacity after me saying so many times about how, you know, it's just amazing to be nominated, and she's like, No, I'm gonna go on benefits if I don't win. When I said about I was disappointed we didn't win the podcast one, Liz was like, But it's but we were nominated. And I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> Hot but cow. think of how
0: many podcasts there are there out are. there to
1: even be shortlisted. And it is their first year, so it was And we've amazing. only been doing it for a year, whereas
0: I've been writing for 40 years. You
1: have been writing, for, and you've won. Every day you've for won. 40 years, and I've finally won. How long does a good mood last? How long have I got to bask in this glory?
0: Well, we're waiting for the award to come, aren't we, that I can polish. Yes. And have sort of prominently and and tweak pictures of it. I'm waiting for my case of champagne and flowers. So I'm now going to go swiftly to the archive, shaking things up a bit. Is this the winning archive? This is the winning archive. This won me the the sculpture that's going to be couriered to me, hopefully.
1: I'm not polishing your sculpture. I just want you to know that.
0: No, well you don't even do me light bulbs. (laughs) It took about six years to get her to drill
1: a hole in my plant pot. I drilled hole, yeah. But can you imagine if I'd have drilled holes in your plant pot and they'd have they'd have snapped and broken? My life wouldn't be yeah, worth but living. You killed it. off my weeping fig. It, I didn't kill it off. It wasn't my fault. You didn't have holes in your pot. This is
0: an award-winning column, and it's from August 2020. So it shows you that I'm very recently award-winning. Well, yesterday. <laughs> and this is about P, the mysterious P, who I went for lunch with. And he's the one who said, when I turned up, he's the one who said, when he turned up for our lunch, did you hear the roar of my Maserati engine? (laughs) To which I replied, no, sorry, I should have turned up my hearing aids. (laughs) And he didn't laugh. That was a warning sign. But that shows a difference between men and women, doesn't but it? But actually, talking one about one of them the... is talking about his Maserati engine. The other one is talking about the hearing aids.
1: But also, if like the first words are about the size of his engine, you know, actually, you've got problems, don't you? Yeah. You, you know, you've got problems.
0: So as I read this column, bear in mind it's award-winning.
1: We're gonna we're gonna update your like other people have like doctor and stuff with their name, aren't you? You're Award gonna have Miss Joe's award-winning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So this is award-winning that I'm just going to read to you here, and it won awards. <laughs> My week. This is so funny. This this beat every political commentator about Brexit, COVID, the economy, fishing in the thing, the environment, the planet burning. This this beat everyone. My week. Tuesday, extreme wax hair dye pedicure. <laughs> Wednesday, lunch with mysterious P. Thursday, dinner with Mysterious P. <laughs> Friday, boyfriend Binning Barney. There, nice, must be the shortest relationship in history. Shall I expand? As you may recall from last week, at our lunch, P gave me a wallet, a silk scarf and two other items I was unable to reveal as you would be able to guess the brand that his father owns. Even as I drove away, he was texting to invite me for champagne at his hotel in Darlington that evening or on a dog walk the next day. Reader, I chose champagne, but at a more neutral hotel, i.e. one that didn't house his pants upstairs. This beat all the political commentators my column about pants. Dinner was promising with no awkward gaps. I regaled him with stories from my award-winning career, Bosnia... (laughs) A refugee camp in Somalia, an earthquake in Pakistan, dinner with Donatella Versace. Oh, he said, I thought you just wrote about fashion. Uh oh. Oh dear,
1: oh dear. He paid oh,
0: for dinner, unfurling a wood of notes. He walked me to my car and got a mouthful of hair for assuming I'm lightweight. Dear God, even when I was a fashion editor, I took it to the next level, exposing the fact Philip Green asked for his Topshop unique trench coat back when I gave him a bad review. See, that should have got scoop of the year.
1: That should have got scoop of the year.
0: Then, on Friday, moments after my podcast went live, I got this, a text. No, Liz! If you talk about a tiny coin purse, how does that make me look? Even if the other stuff was crap, you could have mentioned it was a gift set. Dear God, me, I have no idea what you mean. Him, my hearing hasn't gone. How rude. How rude. That's really rude, isn't it? Especially to me when I've won
1: all these awards. I know. He needs to respect the fact that you're award winning.
0: Then he added, it looks like that was all I got you. I'm honestly not mean. I'm afraid I lost it. If a man gave me a crossbody bag on our first lunch, that's over the top. We said on the podcast, the wallet is lovely. I can't have this complaining about what I write or talk about. It's too stressful. If I were to mention anything else you gave me, people would know it's you. But if you're going to be sensitive and not treat my work for what it is, which award is a winning. job. Award-winning. Award-winning. We should end this now. Sorry if you're upset, but seriously, it looks like it, that was all I got you. Get over yourself. Who cares? He does. A lot. He then accused my reaction of being extreme. Mine. Mine. Why are men so arrogant? Why is there no vulnerability, humility, humour... No wonder great male novelists and male columnists are as endangered as the white rhino and don't win awards. This new one (laughs) has already told me he's a member of Mensa, sent me photos of leggy blondes he's dated and told me he went out with a pop star's mum for three months. A pop star's mum, not a pop star, a mum. That's hilarious. He's obviously trying to impress you, though. Whereas I'm not ashamed to say my bookshelf is exclusively... I had three ponies, a pony for sale and riders from afar.
1: And eight and a half stone.
0: And eight and a half stone. I'm not afraid to say I have a captain had a beard, scars from a breast reduction, a face that has rebuilt and zero money. It's a shame as we've been planning to meet at a hotel in London to have sex. He then kept writing that he misses me, that he's never met anyone like me. Well, no, you haven't and probably never will again. So then I text Nick. Yes.
1: Nick here. This Nick. Me, me, me.
0: Oh, well, I got three columns out of him. Oh, no. Oh, dear God. I realised I just sent that text to P by mistake. And I did. I sent that to P.
1: We've all done it. We've all done it. And
0: then I had to pretend that I meant to send it to him.
1: (laughs) And it's your humour. It's because you were being so funny.
0: (laughs) So that won the award.
1: Was it a award winning? Not
0: it? Brexit, not COVID, not Dominic Cummings going to Barna... Me and my waxing.
1: Yes, and his insecurities, obviously worrying about his coin imports and the size of his engine.
0: In other news, <laughs> I've turned into jam leaming. In other news, my book came out in paperback on Wednesday, so to promote That's the book. Exciting. For the Daily Mail, I went out and about in London in a size 46 empathy suit. Now, this is a suit that doctors who are training nurses wear as part of their training to find out what it's like to be a bigger person. How do they move? How hot do they get to have more empathy? So I borrowed one of these suits and I went out and about in London and it was on the front page of the Daily Mail
1: my God, a,
0: it caused the stir. Well,
1: we've would had a, a we talked a lot, haven't we, about sort of how, as being a very slim person, that sometimes you don't understand my reaction, like you're cattle prodding me, aren't you, to walk faster a lot and things like that. Um, and up hills, she'll turn around and look at me and say, come on, come on. So we sort of talked a lot about how you couldn't really understand, from, from my point of view. What no, but I've had a lifelong
0: eating disorder where I've always just been very terrified of food and i Anorexia, and I talk in the piece about being sectioned and I talk in the piece about having my breasts reduced and there was blood on my T-shirt and I just thought, oh, I look so much thinner. Um, so I felt I was entitled to experiment being a fat person because I've struggled with food all my life and I could have yeah. gone the other way. Eating disorders, once you think about food, you never don't think about food. It's the hardest psychiatric illness to recover from.
1: I thought it was very interesting to, to really... I, I mean, I've always wanted to... I would, like, be overjoyed if you woke up my size one day. You, I mean, not being horrible, but just so you really could feel what what it's like to live in this body and feel the way I feel about, you know, a lot of things, like having to go out for the evening, what do you wear and stuff like that. So I thought it was a really sort of good experiment for you to do.
0: But I do in the piece and in the book, so... Being obese—it's the most common reason for being obese—is genetics. If your it's the same likelihood. If your parents are very tall, it's the same likelihood. If your parents are very obese, you will yeah. be obese as well. So it is genetic. I also blame the fashion industry, and I talk in the piece about how yeah. I challenged the fashion industry, and then I got sat because I wanted a more diverse women on the cover. I don't. I'm not saying people should be morbidly obese, but. If you can cheer women up and they can see themselves and they can see they can look beautiful and they can see they've got clothes available for them, they're going to be less depressed.
1: They're going to eat less. And also, it's the food industry, isn't it? We've talked a lot about how the food industry puts sugar in everything. Well, there was a very
0: big front page story about this new report by Henry Dibbleby saying... The food industry needs to change. We need to increase yeah. the price of a Mars bar. Which But is the ridiculous. government is saying today they're not going to do anything that he said he wanted them to do. And
1: I'm not being funny. If you put nine p on a Mars bar, I like Mars bars. I'm going to buy the. I'm going to pay the extra nine p. Do, do you know what I mean? It's not going to put me off of eating the bloody Mars bar. But I was shocked by,
0: you know, I'd normally walk into Harrods in my little size eight body with my Stella McCartney purse. And I'm welcome with open arms and everyone smiles at me. But I walked into Harrods in my 46, size 46, empathy suit. And it was... I just felt I didn't belong. It was like going into Mars. It was so hot and I didn't belong there. And the looks I got from people, children... Parents obviously haven't taught their children not to stare openly no. and point.
1: No, it's shocking. I mean, I've been... Very big. I've been six stone and I've been 16 stone. So I have literally been double, you know, more, over t- more than double my weight. More. <laughs> so I know what it's like to be a size 10. I know what it's like to be perceived as being more attractive and be perceived as, and treated differently and spoken to differently to being larger and, and not only feeling unattractive, but it's palpable how people have reacted differently to me. In fact, someone actually. Says that you know in in the comments on your piece, someone actually said that um, because she had a botched surgery, Miss from Sydney put on about thirty kilos, and the compliments stopped, the criticisms began, um, the appreciative stares from men, and she had you know nasty comments about it, which was which is awful. And somebody else says denim cow from Perth in Australia. She says that she lost a lot of weight. She got help from an endocrinologist. She lost a lot of weight. And then people were starting to say how amazing she looked. And the comments are nice. But she says they secretly made her angry. Because she's the same person now as she was when she was large. She shouldn't be judging someone on your appearance. You don't know their backstory. You don't know that... Their medical situation—you don't know their mental health situation. You know, people are obese for a reason, whether it's physical or mental. I've I've yo yo dieted my whole life, and it's only now by doing Wild Fit that I have. Don't look bored. It's only now that I've changed genuinely my attitude to it, and and actually realised how destructive the food industry is. Awful, it's awful. They never asked our
0: permission. Why are they now having to?
1: lobbied the government to
0: take things out of food and regulate food, they shouldn't have been allowed to do it in the first place. Where wow. was the regulation stopping the food industry doing this to Awful. us? Awful. Um, but, but, you I- know, talking about health and operations and everything, and, and, and lots of the comments under my piece, and I've had lots of very abusive tweets saying, well, they should just eat less and exercise more. Yeah. But if you look at my mum, she was a ballerina. Yeah. She was a ballerina in the forties, which was very, very different to now because they didn't monitor what they ate, they didn't strengthen their bones, and they used to force my mum's hips into the splits, totally. both ways. She found it easier on one side and not as easy. They used to force her body to do the splits. So she was a ballerina, obviously very active, very slim, but because it was such a punishment on her body, she got arthritis. In her hips and her knees and her neck and her... everywhere. Yeah. And she ended up unable to walk and she put on lots and lots of weight because yeah, she couldn't awful. do anything. But don't criticise my mum for being overweight. No, she no. was a
1: ballerina. Well, there's... there's there, I'm, I'm not being funny. You, If you drink, you can stop drinking. Not saying it's not hard. If you take drugs, you can stop taking... You have to eat. You have to eat to live. So you can't get away from food and that's that's why a lot of people do the replacement shakes and stuff to just take food out of the equation because if you've got an eating disorder if you've got a compulsive if you're a compulsive eater if you're an emotional eater if you're addicted to to the sugar in food you have to eat still so it's really hard to to do that in a different way without changing your mental approach to it it's really really hard and People are so vile. I mean, we have one person um, left a a note under your column that said, I have no respect for obese people. It's their choice. Nobody force feeds them. They're a drag on society and an environmental disaster. I mean, what an awful thing to say. What a just awful, awful person. But there's all
0: these negative, negative headlines. But there was a really negative headline. I think Good Morning Britain picked it up, saying that plus-size fashion normalises obesity so I said in the piece you've got to wear clothes you can't go out naked what do you expect bigger yeah.
1: people to wear and actually I think it's really important that you accept yourself how you are it doesn't mean that you, you you don't want to lose weight and be healthier you know or change your health that doesn't mean that but if you live in misery about how you look and how you are then you're not going to change because stress makes you put on weight. Stress holds weight. It doesn't matter how much you're dieting. If you're stressed, you won't drop weight. That The body protects you because you're stressed. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, another woman said, COVID restrictions have been a blessing in my life. I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home. I no longer have to venture outside of my home and feel ashamed of myself wherever I go. How awful to feel like that. At least if you've got nice clothes and you feel better about yourself... You can have a life. You can still change your health if, if you want to address that, but you can have a life in the meantime. That's awful to hide away.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm used to being ignored and invisible as an older woman and I'm used to people being rude to me because I'm deaf and I can't hear and they roll their eyes. But the experience of how people look at a fat person is just so rude. Awful. And they all felt, into, everyone felt entitled to talk to me about it, like the taxi driver saying, well, I know someone who's as big as you and she died and it was a
1: release. Awful. Don't
0: say that to me. Awful. You're ugly. Well,
1: yeah, you can lose you weight. Know, I've said that to someone actually. You're bald and ugly. I've actually said that to someone. I was walking along years ago and this guy was going along with this very attractive, very slim girlfriend who was eating a cake and said, don't eat that, you'll end up looking like her. And I, I, I mean, I was, I snapped back. We, you're but ugly, at least I can lose weight. But I went into the office and honestly, I went in the loo and I cried for an hour. It was so hurtful. It was so awful. And we've got no right to make people feel like that. We've got no right. It's just shocking. So has it changed how you feel? Because I know, I know, obviously you're coming at this from an anorexic's point of view, from being weight... How carrying weight is the worst thing that could happen to you, isn't it? As an anorexic, so you you have tended to look down on on, on me because you know I I struggled to lose weight. Well, you're still
0: employed, it Think yourself lucky. No,
1: no, but you've said you've said yourself, you've said yourself that you know that you sort of has it sort of changed how you feel about that.
0: Well, I always knew it was difficult because I've seen you for thirteen years. Yeah, yeah, finding things yeah. difficult, walking up a hill and stuff. Yeah. And I suppose I do have the will of iron and I am incredibly stoic. When you're an anorexic, and I'm sure anyone out there who's who suffered from it would might agree and let me know what you think, you're, you feel so superior yeah. to the rest of the world. Like Christmas Day, everyone's eating and cooking and chuckers, but you're just going running and you're so superior because I'm better than all of yeah, you. Yeah. And I think there's a line in the book... Uh, which is has the the the, the bigger heroine, you know. As an anorexic, you think you can jog to the moon. I yeah. could jog to the moon. Yeah, yeah. I can starve myself to the point of near death. I'm stronger than anyone. And yeah. it, to be an anorexic, you have to be incredibly strong.
1: So this piece obviously it's not a weakness. It's a, weakness, from it's a from strength, that stance, isn't it? That yeah. This piece is written because it was. But a what Twitter I wanted to say
0: in the piece and in the book that very often women blame themselves for the husband not loving them and work not going right and him cheating on you. They do that to thin people as well. And it's not always being thin, as in the book. She discovers she's thin, but she's still not happy. Yeah. And I'm thin and I'm still not happy. I still got cheated on.
1: Yeah.
0: It's about your worth as a person. Yeah. And you deserve respect. And it's not always because you're fat or thin that your husband cheats on you. It's because Absolutely. of what's going on in his head. It's Absolutely. it's down to him. It's not down to you. And I think so often women blame themselves. Whereas actually, he'd have cheated on me... You know, if I was Kira Knightley, he'd have cheated on yeah. me. You know, well,
1: well, someone else said in the, in the comments that she's a very a big girl, but she has lots of boyfriends. She's very popular. Her sister is a size six. Her husband's cheating on her. Yeah, you know, it's it's it is. But we've we. So I we wanted to get away in the piece up.
0: in the book from oh, this is your target. Once you're eight and a half stone, you're going to be happy, not necessarily just be happy in who you are and what a beautiful person. And I talk about going to Ronnie Scott's Jazz Club in London with my friend. And she's a very big girl. And she's the kindest, sweetest, nicest person you could ever, ever meet. And when I was going bankrupt, she sent me clothes she found in a charity shop, designer clothes. Yeah. She's the only person who did that, really. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's and we went to Ronnie
0: Scott's, person. and in Ronnie Scott's you have fixed benches to listen to the thing and with all little lamps on, so you can't move the tables. And she couldn't fit behind the bench, so they had to go and very noisily find her a chair. And she couldn't sit with us, she had to go and sit at the end on a chair, and she left and went home.
1: No, so she awful. couldn't even,
0: as a big person, you can't even sit and listen to jazz in a jazz
1: club. It's awful, but it's, it's, I mean, it's just... I mean, I've sort of been in that situation where it's just you feel people are looking at you, you've, and and you do it to yourself. Probably no one is looking at you. It's like being in a gym. When I first joined the gym, when I was when I was about sixteen stone, I went to the gym, and there was girls with perfect makeup, size tens running next to me. I felt awful. It was it took every bit of grit for me to go and puff away next to them. It really did. But actually, what I learned, and as I moved towards a size 10 and became a size 10, I learned they didn't care. Even when I was a size 10 and I was running for England on the treadmill, I wasn't looking at anybody and criticising them. I was trying to improve myself. And actually, I'd look at someone that was me, like six months ago or whatever, and think, bloody good on you. You know, good on you. You know, it's like... I just think you should accept yourself as you are and not give a toss about ignorant people.
0: You can read this week's diary in
1: full from Men on Sunday's You magazine. So, what about this week? But not your award-winning one, your post-award-winning one.
0: This week's column is about me going to hospital. Poor me. What a time. It
1: is. It's been awful, hasn't it?
0: So I go to my local hospital for the brain scan and the nurse is behind a glass screen and she's wearing a mask. She's actually wearing two masks. She's wearing a mask over her mouth and then a sort of a visor. So bear in mind, even though we're hearing aids, I'm still very deaf. Yeah. Mumble, 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 she said. This is a nurse, right? She went into nursing because she wants to help people. So I come along, I turn up, mumble, mumble, mumble. So I couldn't hear her. So I turn to Nick and I say, what did she say? Because that's what I always do. What did she say? Or sometimes
1: you go, She said,
0: and the nurse is rolling her eyes, have you read the notice on the wall about not having been abroad and not having lost your sense of taste? So I said, oh, well, okay, tell her I did read the notice as she posted it to me along with the time of my appointment. I only dress in is and a barber as I live in the countryside. Made a joke. She didn't laugh. No. And then she yelled, date of birth. Date of birth. So I'm going, uh, what? Date of birth. But why do these people not say, hello, hello, Miss Jones, how are you? Um, or hold Good up morning. a piece of paper. Yeah. You know, could I have your date of birth or what, you know. Not just don't just yell at me. Date of birth. Whatever happened to good morning? I
1: think you know. I think people have got so busy and and so they she just didn't look that busy. They just go into it straight away. I mean, I do that sometimes. If I'm doing an email, sometimes I forget to say good morning. How are you? Blah blah blah. I'll just go. Have you done so? So have you got so? Yeah, and but you Nick, you're not a waitress back.
0: in the service industry. You no, don't no. work for the NHS, paid for by my extremely high tax bill.
1: No, no, I agree. We should stop. She and just went be nice. into
0: nursing to be nice to people. Don't yell at me. Date of birth. No, it's not nice. And surely she's come across deaf people before, because all the people in the hospital were about a hundred.
1: Yeah, no, it's just not nice anyway. I'm not deaf, but I'd still like someone to say good morning.
0: Then I'm led into a room and asked to remove my Wellingtons, which smell of horse, <laughs> and to lie down. <laughs> I'm very worried about lying flat as it makes me dizzy. Because normally in bed I have yeah. four pillows and I'm propped up like a Victorian consumptive, you are. but I had to lie flat.
1: You are.
0: But I was okay. After a few seconds, the brain scan is over. When will I get the results? I said to the technician. When you see the consultant in two months' time, there is a global pandemic, you know. Ah. <sighs>
1: That's just awful. But Two why be rude to me
0: when actually I pay tax, your salary is paid by my tax. You're doing a brain scan. You obviously went into medicine because you like people. Don't say to me as if I'm the person who ate bats in China. There is a pandemic, you know.
1: No, but also, they must appreciate that people are nervous. You, are but worried. wouldn't I be worried? Of course.
0: Thinking I might have a brain tumour, or I might have had a stroke, or I might have Parkinson's, or whatever. There is a pandemic, you know. Oh,
1: obviously How people rude. are going to be worried. Yeah, of course. Awful.
0: I had a health scare once before. I was in my late forties, married, I started bleeding. I went to my private GP, this is when I had money, who sent me to a private gynecologist on Harley Street, number one Harley Street. She did lots of tests, she probed. She squirted cold gel on my tummy and took a scan. It was like one of those scenes in a film, except there was no tiny heartbeat. There was no smiling man grasping my hand, as my husband hadn't come with me because he went to to watch Spurs. That's your womb, she said. Blimey, I said. I really believed I didn't have one. (laughs) Then she stopped. Hmm, she said. There's something on the wall. We will have to take a sample. She booked me into a private hospital. I asked my husband to take me, but he said I could get a cab. When I came to after surgery, I felt sick. So I asked the nurse, another one, to hold back my hair. She refused. She wouldn't hold my hair back.
1: You've got very long hair. You don't want to puke on it.
0: A private nurse wouldn't hold my hair back. (laughs) I called my husband. Who is it? He said. I called my husband after surgery and he said, who is it? He really, really, really needed a slap. Your wife. I've just come round. Did they tell you anything? About what?
1: Oh, for God's sake. Why is such a About me!
0: Oh, yeah. You have endometriosis, so they removed a lot of, I don't know, female stuff. But what about the blip on my womb wall? I've no idea. I didn't ask. The next day, he came to fetch me. We got in a cab. Can you tell the cab driver to drive slowly over the speed bumps? I'm in agony. I'm not going to do that, he said. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. There is always someone who comes before me. I went up to my lovely bedroom with its floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking a garden square. I remember thinking, I don't want to leave this house by dying. It's perfect. About six hours later, my husband appeared and handed me a bunch of grapes, Still in the plastic punnet. In its midst was the carapace of a dead spider.
1: He really is the gift that keeps
0: on giving, isn't he? A few days later, well, he's not award winning, is he? He's not award winning, no. A few days later, back on my feet, I went back to Harley Street to get the results. My gynaecologist looked really cheerful. Oh, I said, so everything's okay? Oh, uh, no, I just thought I'm going skiing this weekend. Wow. <laughs> no, oh, I wow. said, I mean, with my bi- biopsy, everything's okay. Oh, I never got the results. Let me call them now.
1: Wow. It so turned out it was
0: nothing. As I left her office, she said, you have two or three years left before the menopause. Enjoy your, hum- enjoy your hormones. And now I've got rid of the fibroids. You should feel more cheerful. I didn't take her advice. I didn't enjoy my hormones. I wasn't more cheerful. But this time, if I get the all clear after my scan and a cure for the vertigo, I'm determined to enjoy life, not dread walking upstairs. I want to be able to turn my head to watch mini puppy sniffing and doing a poo. I want to go to the co-op without hanging on to passing strangers. That's all I will. That will be enough.
1: It does put things into perspective, doesn't it? When you've been ill, of what's really important. It it really going rests.
0: upstairs.
1: Just just being able to do normal things without feeling dizzy or feeling vulnerable. I mean that's the, that's the horrible thing, isn't it? The vulnerability.
0: Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess.
1: So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk.
0: had quite a response to my brain scan. We Although I did have an... Am- I had two quite worrying emails. One from somebody said, Liz, I think you've got Parkinson's because my wife's got Parkinson's. And then another man on Twitter messaged me and he said, um, don't worry, it's quite easy to operate on brain tumours.
1: Well, I think the doctors are just ruling stuff out I don't actually necessarily think that you've got a brain tumour they just have to rule stuff out don't they and make sure that there's nothing else yeah, going on yeah but don't on. email
0: me about brain tumours
1: no I think people are trying to be helpful I think you just have to you know move on well Dawn, Dawn messaged and she said what a column stroke podcast this week please tell Liz we're thinking of her and we really really do care you can't tell Liz Jones not to worry She they, they know you your, your, your girls And everything might be okay because that's not who Liz Jones is. But honestly, please let her know that we only want the best outcome for her and we'll make this journey with her if she lets us. All good wishes. That's nice, isn't it? What a lovely thing to say. That's really nice. And we had a bit of excitement about your book as well. So lots of people have ordered it, so we're waiting to get the feedback. We sent loads out yesterday, didn't we? We posted loads of your signed ones. So if you go to the website, you can get a personalised signed one. With but the Nick extract. filled
0: up the post box.
1: I filled up the post she box. She couldn't
0: get any more in. because It was like her having been to Greg's.
1: <laughs> it was. I couldn't get any more in. So I had to go to the next post box. But uh, Louise says, hi Nick, just ordered the book and I wanted to thank both you and Liz for the fun and laughter you've bought while listening to the podcast. Oh, isn't that lovely? I feel like I know you both, which is a bit ridiculous really. Not, not really, Louise, because we do bear all, so you probably know us better than a lot of people. But Liz's writing and your sage comments on the podcast really bring your personalities to life. I'm an avid reader of Liz's weekly column, turning to the page as soon as I download it. And when I read the paper format years before, and it's award-winning, isn't it? It's award-winning now. So to you both, keep up the excellent work and I look forward to reading the book. So we love Louise as well. We love Louise and Dawn. Well, that's
0: it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.